We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Another week of the Corner Podcast. Isn't it so glorious? By now, you know I am Kel Dansby, here with Andreas Hale, bringing you the best in MMA, boxing, pro wrestling, hip-hop, social commentary, which it seems like we touch on every week now. If we could throw in cool little personal stories, we do. We appreciate you guys listening every week. Shout out to the Corner Club. Uh, Always hitting us up on Twitter, letting us know what they think about what we said on the episode. I haven't had a goddamn Kel moment in a long time. So, Andreas is here 
really, really smirking ear to ear right now because of that. Aren't you proud yeah, you're, of 2019 you're about, me? Oh, you're about due, so I, I'm just going to wait. You, I, might t- you might jinx it by talking about it. I might. Listen, I got one more day. We're recording this on Thursday. I, well, I got a week and a day. A week and a day until I turn 30. I got to fire at least one more hot take out at you. At least. Just just to say bye to my 20s, I need one more goddamn kill moment. Yeah, sounds it, about right. It, it might come today. You never know. Um, but we're kicking the show off talking about something that has my Twitter feed buzzing right now. And it seems like something you've been talking about for like the past day or so, which is all of these police incidents coming back up again. Um, the video I just watched a little while ago was of the the young kid getting choked by the police officer at the Waffle House. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say about these incidents anymore. Like, what what the hell can we do? There was that, the girl at Yale that they called the cops on when she fell asleep in the common area. Um What's the other one? Oh, the, I mean, we had the Starbucks situation not too long ago. It's, yeah. man, it's just, it's, the bottom line is, like, we're just really, we, we really put white folks' lives in danger wherever we showed up. So, so we're never really welcome. Apparently, they have to uh, call the cops or they feel in danger when we show up. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I really don't know what to say about these things anymore. It's, it, they're incredibly frustrating. But, uh, you know, in Kanye's world, it's no big deal, right? Like, Yo, Kanye said this is all part of our imagination. And slavery didn't happen. Get over it. Like, th- these are all controllable factors to people like Kanye. Yeah, he's but, a dork. Yeah, we, we are noticing more and more that we have no control. We, we are now, in 2019, reactive. Because, yeah. in many situations... And it's how we can just be barbecuing. I saw some a family was barbecuing, and some white lady called the cops on them. Like, yeah. you can't barbecue. Like, if we're loud by nature, there's certain cultures just loud by nature. So are Italians. So are Spanish people. Like, you're just loud by nature. So we out barbecuing, and that can make someone feel threatened. Because we just barbecue, and they happen to live there. Or people yeah. feel threatened because you're outside a Waffle House just chilling. Like, I can't imagine, and it's so crazy, and we didn't have social media and all this stuff, but I remember, like, growing up in New York, and you'd go outside and just sit on a car, like, on the back of someone's random-ass car. There'll be, like, six of us sitting there chilling, and that's when we wore, like, 3X tall tees, the white tees, mad low. We had our our Tims on, you know, probably had, like, a, a scully on, a jacket, like, everything. Like, you couldn't look more intimidating than us probably then. And we were chilling. And this kid is in like a cummerbund getting yoked up. I, I, I can't see how things are getting better. I, I can't pull myself to be kanye Like I, I'm trying to look through the lens of which he is speaking. And the shit just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. And it's, it's frustrating because, you know. I've I've lived through this my entire life and it's these things have become so commonplace that yeah we're shocked but but what do you do? I mean to be honest, you know, the only thing you can do is is vote for your local officials um if you are that educated to know what these local officials stand for. Um and and then on top of that it's like, you know, who's funding the police? I mean, there's so many things that need to be done uh and there's so many ways that that we need to attack these situations, but 
when when you see these things continue to happen, all you can do is be kind of flabbergasted. That's what I am right now. It's like I can't even be. I'm angry, but it's like another one. Like <laughs> again. At a, at a, yeah, at a certain point, you just start going, Jesus, like it just doesn't stop and nothing really changes. Um, it's just another day. It's another day in our life. But, you know, as, as we we're about to talk about, Donald Glover said this is America. It really is. You've told stories before about you being put on a cop, like the hood of a car, right? Yeah, I've been I've had guns pulled on me by police. Um, I mean, one particular situation, I think it was like 16 and uh we went to a bowling alley in the west side of Las Vegas where there weren't really – it's a Mexican town now, but there were nothing but black folks at that time. And we went to a uh, Silver Nugget, I think it was called. And, hey, right by Rancho. What up? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we went and you know we were getting out the car and I had a two-seater, right? But I used to fit all the homies in the trunk. I'm like 280ZX. So it was like – I used to have like five or six people riding in a two-seater. It's crazy. But we used to make it happen. So it used to always be like this big argument about who was riding shotgun. Obviously, I drove, so I didn't give a shit. But whoever, so as soon as you get out the car, there was like a countdown until you could call a shotgun. So somebody called shotgun. And then people were like, shotgun, shotgun. So the cops got called on us because they thought we had a shotgun in the car. And the police rolled up, put us on the floor, and pulled guns out on us. Didn't ask us any questions. They, they went into my car. They tried to tear the seats out of my car looking for a gun. And, you know, we're laying there. We're like... Trying to figure out what's going on because they're not telling us what's happening. We didn't know the cops were called on us. Um, and finally, the cop was like, I don't see a firearm. And I was like, firearm? And I think one of my boys just laughed. He was like, oh. he's like, these motherfuckers think we had a shotgun. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yo, you got us on the – we called shotgun. And they were like, don't move. And we had – I mean – it was traumatizing when it happened, but as time passed, we were just like, yo, this is ridiculous. And when you're young, you don't know any better. I mean, it's not like, I'm not even going to say like, not like today because kids are still dumb as shit. But <laughs> when these things happen, you just, you don't really think much of it. You're like, you're frustrated and you're upset, but you, you know, we're, we're like 16 years old. Yeah, we like laughing and shit. You after live in your own bubble. Like you don't understand yeah. the greater but, scope of you know, things. As belligerent as we were as kids, because, you know, I mean, I processed everything. But, you know, if I would have got up, I could have been shot, you know, because I was laid down on the ground. If I if I moved the wrong way, I could have been choked out, you know, like Eric Garner or, sh- you know, shot to death like Philando Castillo, look at, you know, reaching for his uh, his ID. You know, these things could have happened. And it's crazy. And this was like I said, this is like I was 16. This shit is still happening today. I've been through these things. So it's like to see it happen again and again. And then people say, well. You know, you catch him on videotape, it doesn't matter. We saw it happen to Rodney King. There's always this time before and after the video camera comes on, which is this gray area that the cops always use against us. So these situations, man, I, I don't know what we got to do to stop them. There's nothing we can really do. It's like we can't go to Waffle House. We can't go to Starbucks. We can't go to Yale. Like, where can we go? Yeah, I mean, Yale. Like, you know the shit it takes to get into Yale? Like, you don't think someone at Yale would get the cops called on for for doing nothing. But just now, yeah, just just being black and passing out, let, let alone you go to any Ivy League school and you see probably like, you know, 10 kids without fucking shoes on living the hippie life, chilling, just passed out on lawns and shit. I, I've walked through campuses like, yo, you're just going to take a nap right on the lawn chilling. That's fine. So it, it's crazy to see that it keeps happening, keeps happening. And we all have these stories. Every single one of us. Of, you know, just the run-ins and, and how quick it is for, for cops to say that they were threatened. Or we were threatening. 
And, and that's yeah. the biggest thing. And before we touch on Donald Glover's video, because I, I think that's, you know, one of the the layers he kind of uncovers is who is threatening and the pe people's perception of someone being threatening. So he goes through an entire video smiling and shit. He's not threatening necessarily, but he's shooting people. Like, so it, it, it's different. And I feel like now we're all looked at as though we are threatening. Regardless of where you are, how you're dressed, it, it's now happening to quote unquote, like for, for a long time, people were like, oh, this is happening to hoodlums, right? Like, Trayvon Martin, he had a hoodie. Like, they portrayed him as a hoodlum. These are now people at the best establishments, uh, educational establishments in the nation. These are, it's a guy in a tuxedo. D these things are happening, and they've always been happening to black people, no matter what you look like, no matter how you speak, no matter where you are. But now people are starting to see this, that no matter what, someone's going to find you threatening. And that shit's frustrating. Yeah. So it, it's crazy to, to think about that. Now now there's a public narrative. We'll see. They have to talk about it. Sooner or later. It, it's crazy me working at a news station. People's opinions don't change on this shit. You, no. You'd be surprised some of the wild shit I run across in the comment section. I know you're not one for looking at comments. You, you kind of just let stuff be and let it ride. But I love looking at the comment section of shit. And it's crazy to see. When people are like you're, uh -huh. don't resist the rest. Just do what the officer says. Like yo, you just have no clue. People it's love living on the in, side. Yeah, people love living in the Kanye zone, and that shit's a real place. Um, let's talk about Donald Glover's This America, though. What What's your opinion on the video? To To me, the video took the song to another level. And I think it's purposeful why the song isn't like overly dope and lyrical and blah blah blah. He did a great job just with the entire concept. What do you think of it? I mean, it's it's performance art is highest. Um, you know, I didn't watch it live. I, I just happened to I forgot what it no, I was single to bio. I was drinking. Um, but I got you know, I came home and uh, I saw Donald Glover had a new video and I went to YouTube to watch SNL first. So I watched like a couple of skits. But then I, I saw the first song. I didn't see him perform This Is America. I saw him perform the other song. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that video is for that song. And I saw the video. And I mean, I was blown away because this is like high art. Because what he's been doing with Atlanta and what he's done with this particular music video, it's it's using your creativity to to provoke thought. And it's it's the exact opposite of what people like Kanye are doing right now. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, the... the to all the nods and winks to like Jim Crow, to the chaos behind him. They, you know, there's a pale horse with death riding on it in the background. There's two chickens. I don't know what they're doing. But there's two chickens in the background. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a kid with a money gun standing on top of a car. There's like so much going on, but we're distracted by the dancing. We're distracted by the entertainment. It's so indicative of society today is that we're so distracted by these things that you still got to live. Like I remember going to the club and there'd be a shooting at the club. And the music would stop, but then it'd come back on and the party would keep going. <laughs> or you'd go home and you still have something to do. Like, you still go hang out with the homies because shooting at the club in Vegas, when I grew up, was so commonplace that we were numb to it. Like, we knew if, the, if certain people were at the club and you saw that car pull up, you were like, oh, we should probably leave around this time because they're going to shoot the club up because they always shot the club up. Every club, <laughs> teenage club in Vegas got shot up. 
So we knew it was time to go. But when it was time to go, we didn't go home and like tell our parents. Like our parents, my, my pops didn't even know every club I went to got shot up. It was so commonplace. We just like went to McDonald's, got something to eat, came home, and played NBA Live. That was like that's what we did. So this is America is kind of like that. It's like no matter what happens behind us, we're still dancing. We're still being entertained. We're still doing the same things that we were doing. And they distract other people from what's what's really going on. I, I mean, it's I mean the video's at fifty million. I've written two pieces on it: one for the Grio and one uh, for DJ. One not necessarily for uh, probably my other column went. Oh, for the Revolt, I wrote two different columns about you know what Glover is doing. Um, you know because he's drawn such criticism in the past uh, for his fetishizing of Asian women. Um, you know I guess he's uh, I don't know if he's married or what. But he has two kids by, by a white woman and. People say he's turned his black back on black people, and that's not the case, man. I mean, nah. the dude is—that's what they said about Kendrick too, right? For like a second. Well, people are dumb, right? <laughs> like people are dumb. <laughs> like Ken, first of all, Kendrick's girl, she's just really light skinned I've met her a number of times. She's just really light skinned That's all. Um, that doesn't mean she's not down for the cause. Um, it doesn't mean that Kendrick—I mean that Donald Glover's not down for the cause because he's with a white woman, um, and he has children that he keeps very private. I mean, he's not the lieutenant in the race war. We got to cut this shit out. Like, there are different levels of being, quote, unquote, woke. And he uses his art form to address these situations. And I commend him for it, man. Like, a lot of people wouldn't do that. He doesn't have to do that. More importantly, the man, he was writing for 30 Rock when he was, like, 23 years old. He didn't have to do any of this. Yeah. He's, he's the opposite of Kanye. He's the counterbalance to what Kanye's been doing. He has a Star Wars movie coming out in two weeks. And he put out a, a race video. Yeah, a race and gun control, control man. Video. I mean, like, he, he gives no fucks. Like, that's the epitome of it. Because usually you do everything you can to appease everyone to sell. And it's the biggest movie of his career. And he's like, whatever. He's going to do what he does, man. He's, there are, you know, that's the epitome of free thinking. That's the epitome of a creative. Like, Kanye calls him a creative himself a creative but donald glover's glover's writing television he's done stand-up comedy he makes music he doesn't just rap you know he sings and he's figured out how to be a jack of all trades um creatively you know i mean his last project awaken my love was fantastic but it, it paid homage to like this funk era and it's like you look at what he's doing like this particular song no it's not like this super lyrical song but that shit knocks (laughs) <laughs> that yeah, shit yeah. absolutely knocks. But it's not supposed um, to, because that would take away from what it is. It's supposed to be exactly. mumble rap. It's supposed to be what everyone deems distracting. Right. You know, there's the Young Thug is on there. There's Adlers by so many of today's mumble rappers. It's just, just to understand what he's trying to accomplish in high is art. Is Young Thug on there? Yeah, Young Thug is singing at the end. He's singing throughout the. I mean, he's doing the Adlers. Like Young Thug is on that song. Oh, okay, I thought I heard Chance at the end. Young Thug. Yeah. He's in there. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in that song. It's saying so much with so little, and the v- video says even more. And that's what it means to be a free thinker. Fuck what Kanye's talking about. <laughs> Donald Glover is showing you what it's like to be a free thinker. Yeah, yeah. Kanye's. We we've delved into the madness of Kanye West too many times. I don't want to talk about. It. Yeah. So now that's like I said, the video was dope. Um, that was really cool. You've been on like your Rachel Dolezal tip watching this documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I was no, listen. I wasn't going to watch it because I've, as we've talked about, like two years ago, that what she did was completely foul to me. But I was sitting at home and I had my daughter, and I had no, I needed to watch something to pass the time while I fed her. 
And I was like, let me watch this and let it play in the background. If I'm interested, I'll keep watching. If I'm not interested, I'll turn it off. And I watched it. And, yo, it is so sad for a number of reasons. And none of them necessarily have to do with her. I was about to say, you feel like bad for her. No, not really. Because all she ever, all she had to do from the jump was not fucking lie. Like, <laughs> that's, I mean, so it's really simple. all you can do. It's really all, you know, her, her parents were white. They were pieces of shit. Which, which is revealed in the documentary, um, they adopted black kids and they treated the black kids terribly. So Rachel Dolezal tried to identify with the black kids to help them, which is, that's fine, but that doesn't make you black, right? Yeah. There's a lot of layers to it and she's put her kid, her own kids, she's putting through a lot. Like at the, at the root of the problem is shitty parenting. Like at the root of all the, all the issues in America with our youth, it's shitty parenting at the end of the day. One way or another, whether the parents are absent, whether the parents are there and just really suck. However it is, your child is kind of made by how your parents treat you. And Rachel's parents treated her like shit, pushed her to the quote-unquote dark side, and made her a black woman, which is insane, but that's what it was. And now <laughs> she is her refusal to admit that she's white. Like, the whole documentary, she is, like, trying, like, they're asking her, like, are you white? And all she has to do is say yes. Like, her son was like, dude, just say yes. And she's like, no. And her refusal to do that puts your sons at risk because they're being ridiculed. They're getting threats. They're getting you know, heckled wherever they go. And these, these are two, you know, two dark kids. So it's, 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 it's a really messed up documentary, but it's like a her case study. Her sons are black? On yes. Oh, shit. Who knew? Like she, she dated a black man. Well, yeah, you know, I guess it, I could have guessed that. Yeah, if she was, yeah she was of course. a black woman. Yeah. <laughs> she, she dated a black man, you know, I think it was in high school. She went to Howard. Um, and then, I mean, <laughs> but Yo. she filed a, she filed a lawsuit against Howard for race discrimination. She wasn't black when she filed that lawsuit. I'm not so gonna lie, she's living the gimmick. It it really is. It's really like the pro wrestler who starts to believe the gimmick. It's like the Hulk Hogan <laughs> versus Gawker thing. Yeah. That's not my dick. That's Hulk Hogan's dick. Like that's <laughs> that's the racial dolezal thing, and it's really sad. But it's like a case study in America, like. There's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, you can't be transracial. But transracial has to work two ways. If I can become white, yeah, then of course we can be transracial. But there's no way I can become white. You becoming black is white privilege. It's a big difference. And she fails to understand that because dark-skinned people are like, hell, you're darker than me. And you can't just get up one morning and straighten your hair and people are like, yo, he's a white man. It don't work like that. No. It ain't that easy. And then you have to live those experiences. White people will never live those experiences. That's why they don't identify with us. That's why when they see the situation at Waffle House, they just be like, yo, he just should have just gave in to the cops. They don't understand what we go through. And yet, and she only lived this life for like six years. Like one day she was just like, ah, I'm just going to be black. You keep asking, <laughs> I'm just going to be black. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, if people care to watch it, I would say watch it. But it's a really sad story at the end of the day. And I couldn't stop watching it because it was so sad how it destroyed the people around her. But you know, I I'm watching like I it this weekend just because I've been really entertained by your commentary on it. Like, yo, that's crazy. It's yeah, it's nuts, man. It's it's really it's nuts. But it's, it's the state of America, man. Like people think they can be whatever they want. But you really can't. You can't be whatever you want. <laughs> like, you really can't. The American dream is bullshit. Take that. <laughs> um, all right, man. Nah, we've been like I said, we've been hitting on this past couple weeks. Every time at the end of the show, we're like, man, I hope this is the end of it. And we can, you know, start off with some cheery hip-hop song or something. No, it's, it just doesn't happen. It's just the climate we're in. So we got to touch on it. Um, 
let's get to combat sports though this is what we come here to talk about we had boxing last weekend and have a good boxing match this weekend last weekend triple g ended up fighting of course he didn't fight canelo alvarez um what do you think of Triple G's performance? It was pretty much... I think I gave it, what, four rounds? You said he might take up deeper. We were both off. No, he went out there to crush, kill, and destroy. I think Triple G is so incensed by this whole Canelo situation that he just didn't feel like even giving the fans a show. He was like, the best thing I can do is just get this fucker the fuck out of here. Yep. And that's exactly what he did to Venice Matarosian. Venice, dog, he didn't have a shot in hell. That was, that was an incensed, upset angry, looking to prove a point, Triple G, who went out there and did what he was supposed to do, but he did it much faster than expected. Oh, I told the betting people, bet on the under. Eight and a half rounds, I think it'll go under. It definitely went under. It definitely cleared that. <laughs> By a whole lot. No, those two rounds, and it was, it felt like a beating for two rounds. Yeah, it, and Venice was, you know, he's a good fighter. He tried. He, he landed some clean shots, but as everybody's come to realize, like, it's really hard to hurt Triple G. Yeah. Really, really difficult. And he just went, walked through him and then murdered him. And it shows, you know, how good Canelo is. Um, I mean, Danny Jacobs had to gain a ton of weight to take those blows. Canelo kind of just went in and ate them. Venice couldn't last two rounds. It's a world-class fighter. And it, it was over in a blink. Um, and then we have, you know, immediately after people talking about rematch Canelo, September, 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 Canelo comes out and says, yeah, I'll start testing when he signs. For the fight, yeah. See, this is uh, this is that bullshit. How like, does he still think he has leverage? Like, yeah, you have to clear your name. It, you, he's still acting entitled. Yeah, I, dog, look, and I don't even think this is a. I don't know whose decision this is, but this Eric Gomez, the one, uh, the Golden Boy president, is the one who made this announcement. I don't know if this is Oscar's decision. I don't know whose decision it is, but it doesn't make you look any better because if negotiations begin to drag, which I fully expect them to do. Because the whole 10% chance of this fight not happening thing that Triple G said is leverage. And he's trying to get a better deal because he, frankly, deserves it. You know, he, I mean, he had to fight. He lost out on $20 million payday because this guy wants to eat bad meat. The hair test that Golden Boy has talked about really didn't prove shit. It's just <laughs> something that they use as propaganda to say, oh, yeah, we didn't do it on purpose. It didn't prove anything. It, it, it's not really a good test on whether or not you ingested them purposefully or were injected. doesn't tell you anything. So we know nothing. We like, and all we know is that Canelo's now taking a position, well, if these, if these contract negotiations drag until, let's say, July, I can juice until July. Like, yeah, that's basically like, what it's telling you. So you know right when he signs, you just have to take a quick little, you know, flush of the system. IVs now clear you straight the hell out. Give him your blood and you rock it. It's crazy. I mean, it's a not the way to A centrifuge machine does a lot of good shit if you're trying to hide the juice. You can run your entire bloodstream through that shit if you got like four hours. See, it's, that, that makes it whack. If anything, it's like, dog, I failed a drug test. I'm going to start. I'm going to enter myself into random testing now. Yeah. So Just I can prove try to save face. Yeah, like, he, he don't care. Not at all. At all. Like, you, you're at the point where, and maybe his fan base doesn't care, right? Maybe his core fans are going to be his core fans, and they don't think he's a cheater. But you would think he would want to prove to some people that he's not a cheater. You, you come back and you say, you test me regardless if I'm fighting or not. Test me as much as yeah. you can, whenever you can. And he went completely opposite. 
Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't make him look any better. But frankly, I just I don't think he cares. The narrative here is that I did it by accident, and when you sign the contract, I'll take you know I'll start drug testing. And it's not a story that we're talking about it, but it's not going to be the story until the fight gets signed. And I don't think it'll ever be like a story until the fight gets signed for bo- gets for signed. casual boxing. Fans. Yeah, I think the fight will happen. There's too much money on the table for it not to happen, but they need to figure out how to split that pie. Um, but yeah, I think Canelo's team is whack for that. Like, Golden Boy is whack for saying we'll drug test after you sign a contract. That's pretty goddamn lame. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, now, this coming up weekend, on the 12th, I feel like there's mad stuff going on this weekend. Um, this is one of them. We have Vasyl Lomachenko stepping back into the ring. Versus uh, Jorge Linares, which, once again, on paper, looks like a good fight for him. But we thought that the past couple fights, and people just quit on the stool. Yeah, yeah this is, I mean, this is the best fight possible of, of, for Lomachenko right now. And Linares is a very good fighter. Um, but he's fighting a, he's fighting the best, probably the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world right now, arguably. In 11 um, fights. He yeah, only has 11 I mean, fights. <laughs> it's incredible. And people say, listen, people say he's overrated. Um, he's not that good. He lost to Orlando Salido. Look, he passes the eye test. That's that's what matters the most. That's the Glasses Malone argument. Yeah, don't don't buy listen to Glasses. If you listen to Glasses, you're wild. Um, but you know what he did to Nicholas Walters, who was undefeated. He made him quit. <laughs> like he changed like his whole career. I, I haven't seen yeah. Walters since. I mean, what he did to Guillermo Rigondeaux. A top 10 pound-for-pound fighter, undefeated, Cuban Olympic two-time gold medalist, made him quit. Walters hasn't fought since. That was 06. Yeah. I mean, 2016. He hasn't fought fought since. Excuse me. Yeah, 2016, I mean. That's crazy. So what I'm saying is you take Walters, who beat Nonito Donaire when Nonito Donaire was still pretty sharp, and Walters watched him. And Lomachenko destroyed Walters and made him quit because he was too good. Rigondeaux couldn't land fucking he couldn't pinch him. And Rigondeaux was recognized as a top ten pound for pound fighter. He was as high as number six on some list. And he got washed by Lomachenko. Don't see Lenars doing anything that's different. Nah, this I is see this. four straight quitting on the stool for Lomachenko. And and the thing is, is like Lenar, it's not like Lenares hasn't lost. Lenares has lost three times. And the biggest name that he's lost to is Antonio DeMarco, who's not that good. Linares, he, he's always been a guy. But that was a that, while ago. I mean, he got knocked out in, what, all of them? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been knocked out. Mind. Yeah, he's been knocked out by lesser competition. Yes, it was, I think that's 2012. Was, okay, so it was six years ago. 2012, and, But yeah. Linares was always expected to be one of the, a great light. And he just never achieved that status. He's on a nice little roll here, but he hasn't fought anybody of circumstance. So he's going up against Lomachenko. He's a great offensive fighter, but he's he's dealing with the best that there is. And I think it'll just be another showcase for Vasily Lomachenko. Is there anyone out there for Lomachenko? Is, will he get his Canelo Alvarez? Like, will Floyd pull the trigger on the Javante fight? Javante seems to be really upset with that camp. But still. Uh, man, I, I mean, Javante don't want that smoke and i keep saying that he ain't ready for that like that's a that's another level of fighter uh, like javante doesn't have that much amateur experience for starters like what, what lomachenko has accomplished i mean he, he's done it by losing one fight his entire amateur career so it's like you, you don't want that so 
where the real challenge for Lomachenko lies, he, I mean, I guess you have to look at a fight with a Mikey Garcia or a Robert Easter. I mean, those are that's at what 135. So it's like maybe maybe you bump up to 140. I was about but to say even Mikey there, is even at like 140 at this point. Yeah. And and you know they could find a cat. They could do whatever they got to do. Yeah. To make the fight happen, but there's that's probably your toughest fight. Um, Regis Pagrias, who's been on the rise, and the, the kid's got hard ass hands at 140. He could be interesting for Lomachenko, but I don't see anybody beating him right now. It would be interesting to see if he can how high he can get up and weight comfortably because you might be going the Manny Pacquiao route and just be looking really small against bigger competition because then he can go all the way up to 147 and then things really get interesting. That's Terrence a long Crawford way fight, up. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a long way up and I don't necessarily see him doing it, but Lobachenko doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's just going to stand there and collect belts and fight weak competition. I think he wants to fight the best that he can um, and beat them all. So I think we may see him jump up and wait. That, I mean, you get to 147, the, the world is your oyster. You fight whoever the hell you want. Well, you're in top rank, so ne- you can't necessarily fight whoever you want. Uh, I mean, you, you have a, lo- a nice amount of options. We've seen that they'll cross the line now. At least they'll we're cross- going to talk about it. The, yeah, but it's just a matter of the money, right? And that's going to be the problem with Terrence Crawford is he's arguably the best pound for pound fighter, 1A to 1B with him and Lomachenko, and, you know, Gennady's probably maybe 1C to a lot of people. But the problem with Terrence Crawford is the risk worth Al Heyman losing to a fighter outside of a stable. And I don't think he wants to take that risk until he has all of his fighters fight each other. So that leaves a guy like Terrence Crawford on the outside. It leaves a Lomachenko on the outside because who's going to want to do business with him? Because you're running a risk because you probably are going to lose. I think Terrence Crawford beats everybody at 147 and has a hell of a fight with Errol Spence. You're not going to say he beats Errol Spence, though. I'm not going to say. I can't say. I need to see more of Errol. Um, I want to see, I, I mean, Terrence Crawford a few weeks against Jeff Horn. He's probably going to run his ass over. But it's like I'd like to see Errol Spence in there with a, a Danny Garcia or a Keith Thurman because he needs to fight elite competition. He hasn't done it just yet. I mean, he waxed Kell Brook. Yeah, but Kell Brook, I mean, I mean you Brooke can argue has... he damaged goods when he got in there because with, with, after fighting Golovkin. Yeah. But he so, broke the other eye socket. It's not like he broke the same one. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's, I'm just saying that it's a risk that I don't see Al Heyman necessarily wanting to take by having a fighter that he doesn't promote beat his fighters and could possibly beat all of his fighters. Yeah, and that's been that's boxing's dangerous. MO from the get-go. Right. Like, it has to be really worth it for you to put your fighter in there with that. Um, and we saw that, you know, with, with Triple G and Canelo. And somehow they swung a draw. But that, yeah, that's still that sh- wild. Yeah, that, I still can't believe that shit. Um, but that's the boxing for this weekend. Um, both, you know, that card actually has a decent undercard, so it's going to be a good night of boxing there. Then we have MMA. We'll, we'll get into UFC 224 because that's what's this weekend. But first, UFC signed a deal with ESPN Plus, not ESPN, ESPN Plus, 15 shows. They only have about 27 shows a year. Currently. I think they're at 27, 30 a year. Um, 15 is half of that. Then you add in a monthly pay-per-view. You're at 27. What does this say about their TV deal? I don't know what the hell this means, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not sure because 
the press release on the UFC just said they signed with ESPN Plus and they're going to show these fight night cards, which means they're probably going to be, I don't want to say lower level, but they're not going to be like the UFC on Fox cards. They're going to be the UFC FS1 fight night cards. Card. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be the FS1 cards. But does that mean I got to pay for ESPN Plus and a UFC fight pass? Like, do I got to pay for both those streaming services to see these fights and I got to get a pay-per-view? There's no details there. So I can't necessarily say this is a coup for anybody until I get more details on, you know, how the diehards can continue to watch these fights. Um, because I don't, I don't necessarily see people playing from multiple streaming service, services unless you're getting, like, free pay-per-views. And that I also don't see happening. No, they're not giving that shit away for free, right? Like, right, for, so, like, $10. I mean, ESPN Plus is four ninety nine, Which is, it's cheap. You know what I'm saying? It's cheap. I need an app for that. Is is there a TV app for ESPN Plus? Yeah, yeah. It rolled out uh, right before the draft. I'm thinking about using a free trial because they had uh, the My Rookie series that always used to be on like ESPN Two. It's now a uh, ESPN Plus exclusive, and I love that series every year. Yeah, see, like for me, like I know it's a cord cutting culture. I haven't cut the cord yet. I still have DirecTV. Oh, I'm, I'm out of there. Good. I got, I just have Fire Sticks all around the crib. Yeah, see, I, I've got too many TVs in my house. I have DirecTV. I like to watch my sports live. I don't like to re- rely on streaming too much because um, I stream a lot. And then I have, you know, there's Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. It's like, do I? And I have Fight Pass for free and the WWE Network. So it's like, do I really need ESPN Plus? Like, yeah, really? And I got New Japan World. I got a lot of shit. Yeah, it's, 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 there's so much. And, and, and then, I mean, Eddie Hearn just announced a boxing streaming deal today. I don't know if anybody saw that from Matchroom Boxing. Yeah, what and, was that, like a billion dollars for eight years or something, Chris? Yeah, I mean, basically what Hearn is doing, you know, before we get into MMA, is what Hearn is doing is creating a streaming service, which is he's going after any fighter who is a promotional free agent, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Al Heyman fighters are maybe managed by Al Heyman, but they're not under promotional contracts. So that's why Danny Jacobs, for instance, is under Matchroom Boxing. So they're trying to create their own streaming service to do boxing as well. So, and then they're promising you're going to see more fights. It sounds like what PBC recently did when they announced it, and then that shit went up in smoke. I don't know how this <laughs> is going to work. But, uh, but that's the idea here. But ultimately, there's a lot of streaming services, and we're in a cord-cutting culture. But at, at some point, it's like, damn, there's too many options. Disney's going to have this streaming service soon. I can only watch so much shit. Yeah, I can't I get up to the $100 a month range. Like, at this point... You know, I got Showtime, HBO, only because I'm borrowing people's passwords for shit. So somebody got to keep something. I am the king of that, borrowing passwords. If y'all want to throw me a password for something so I can stop paying for it, holla at me on Twitter. Yeah, so I, so ultimately, I don't think much of this deal just yet, because I need to see the quality fights in ESPN+. Plus, and I got to see how this works in conjunction with UFC Fight Pass, because the Contender Series is going to ESPN+, Plus as well. Does yeah. that mean it's off of Fight Pass? Are they just canceling Fight Pass? What the fuck is going on? I feel like that should be the wave, is to just, if you're going to do this, just sell Fight Pass. And just say, it ain't, it ain't working. Because what is that, Fight Pass, like, just for Invicta now? Well, I mean, Fight Pass shows a ton of fights. Like, every fight that you could think of, they signed with so many other promotional companies, so you can watch their fights. Which, for a diehard MMA fan, is fantastic. But if you take it away, does ESPN eat it up? Or does ESPN say, nah, sorry, we don't want any of this shit. We already have enough programming. So I, I have no idea where they go with this. That's a lot to pay for. How much is Fight Pass a month? 
I don't know. I get it for free. <laughs> I'm gonna I assume know. it's like nine ninety nine. They gotta yeah. drop that down to like five bucks. You gotta be able to get both of ESPN Plus and that for ten. And though, and when is the last time has there been? A, and somebody have to tell us this. Cause I clearly don't remember. When is the last time there's been a UFC Fight Pass exclusive card? How long has it been? I remember Anderson Silva fought on one. How long ago was that? Silver Bisping, right? Dude, that was like two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. There had to be another one. Was it? I don't know. But that's I my point. So. It's like, why do you even need Fight Pass? They haven't shown really anything. I have it because like, I get all the pay-per-views that it, for free on Fight Pass. I don't have to pay for anything. And then, you know, but that's really it. I don't really watch Fight Pass for anything else. I don't, nothing. Maybe I'll watch Invicta every once in a while. They had a Roy Jones fight on there not too long ago that was exclusive. <laughs> that's that's that, so random. It's super random. But other than that, like, what's the point? I don't know. I don't know. Exclusive fight pass prelim. I don't know. It looks like maybe there was, man, Verdum fight on there. Oh, I don't know. UFC it's... London, Verdum, Volkov. That was a fight pass exclusive. All right. Well, shit, that wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough. Yeah. I don't even remember that shit. But March 17th from London with Jimmy Manoa on the car. So I guess maybe they get four a year. So they had 39 events last year. So if you have 15, 12 pay-per-views, because there's a monthly pay-per-view, you're at 27. It gives you 12 more events to shop around or to have Fight Pass exclusives. I figure the pay-per-view number is going to come down. I think think it's kind of mandatory because you don't need that many pay-per-views. You don't need 12. You can honestly get away with six. six. Yeah, yeah like, you can six and load them up, and, and then keep the you know, Fox deal, your, and then put like four on, like a quarterly one on UFC on Fox with yeah, actual I, belts. I don't know what it is, but they they need to figure it out because it's not like the UFC is getting any better. <laughs> We're still in the same sunken place with this promotion. Yeah, and it seems like I I don't know, but the the fan base there's without the stars, without Conor McGregor, without Ronda Rousey. Even, like, the online presence, the outlets, every, everything's kind of drying up. If you're not attached to a major outlet to keep your paper flow coming in, it's rough out here in the MMA streets. Yeah, dude, MMA journalism is, yo, I, I don't know how people do it if you don't do anything else, right? Like, me, I write it for a bunch of different places and i've been doing it for a long time and i've been able to make a living off it but i if i was just doing mma it's like it's fucking impossible because nobody really wants it yeah it's like it's, it's hard to you know to pull in that check yeah it's like you know i do stuff for yahoo but kevin does majority of like the mma and boxing stuff right so you have one guy that does that at espn is mainly dan Raphael. um you may see nigel collins pop in and with and mma it's like brett brett yeah brett right so there's like there's like three people um it's like, dude, there's, there's not it's, – I don't know if there's just not necessarily a want. I don't know what it is, but the MMA community is having a really hard time connecting with casual fans. And I don't think this ESPN Plus deal is going to help that much unless they figure out a way to generate public interest. But that's really up to the UFC and not up to ESPN. That ain't their job. Yeah, I mean it's cage fighting, right? It's like a brutality sport. Yeah. A lot of people still aren't okay with that. Well, it sucks to be them. Yeah, no, they're missing out. <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's the fact of the matter. Like people still are uncomfortable with watching that. 
and and it's I think it's going to be something that's a constant reflection on on the sport. It's hard to get past that, yo. Boxing, you know, has that sweet science label. It's a little different. You, someone goes to the ground, it's gentlemanly. The ref steps in, you get a ten count. You ain't getting people with their face bashed in. So it, it's a whole different world. So we'll we'll see. But they need the stars. They it's shown that if you have stars, you'll be all right. And everyone's eating. The media's eating. The fans are eating. Everyone's having fun. The stars start to waver. It gets real slim real quick. And yes, that's the difference between you know basketball, football, and everything else. Um, let's talk specifically about UFC 224. Uh, no, actually, GSP versus Nate Diaz. Good idea, bad idea. Great idea. I'll I'll be. I'll wow, see if great idea. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Well, because there's there's if there's any fight that's going to get Nate Diaz back in the octagon that's not against Conor McGregor and it's not for a title, a GSP fight makes a lot of sense because there's that revenge thing with his brother losing uh, with Nick losing the GSP several years ago. Um, the Diaz brothers have never liked GSP, <laughs> and they would like to get that fight, so it could be a big deal. Um, Are you good at the one fifty five? Yeah, I'm fine with it. DSP at 155. Jesus. Well, see, the the hesitation that I have is seeing this fight actually getting made. If they make it, I'm for it. But I don't necessarily see them getting this fight done. They should do it at 165. Yeah, I like the idea of making a 165-pound title. GSP obviously just held the championship so he can go and be, you know, and fight for a championship in a new division. And it makes sense because he was just a champion at a higher weight class. Um, Two weight classes higher. So this would make sense, throw him into immediate one. Nate, okay, he hasn't earned it, but it's a new division, whatever. And telling Tyron Woodley, you know, you are now the 175-pound champion. I don't think he'd cry about that. No, I mean, whatever they do. Woodley would be just, like, okay, so what? Like, make it yeah. 175 and go every 10 pounds. I mean, they need to re- fix the divisions anyway. But, yeah, a Nate Diaz, a GSP fight. Um, on a, a card in L.A. where Cody Garbrandt would fight T.J. Dillashaw and Alexander Gustin would fight Luke Rockhold would be great. Yep. I think it would be a great card. Junior welterweight um, champion. Yeah, like whatever the fuck you want to call it. I, I just want to. I just like to see Nate get back in the octagon because I figured by now he's ran through that money. Yeah, he he, I'm sure he's still. I'm sure he still has like a, a you know a coffer. He's got some some savings for sure, but. You know, he's probably sitting around bored, and he's like, oh, well, shit, how can I make another million dollars? Fighting GSP, that's how. Yep. So there it is. No, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. And they're saying it's the co-main event of that fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Dillashaw. You you and Cody got to take that back seat. Um, UFC 224 this weekend. Amanda Nunez versus Rocky Pennington are the headliners in Brazil. The cards, the typical Brazilian pay-per-view card, right? Features a lot of locals going after the gate. It will be pretty good finishes. We'll get some good fights we don't expect. But let's talk about the main card. Um, Vitor Belfort versus Leota Machida. This is the, the ode to the old Brazilian fight. Uh, who has something left in the take? Both are coming off of wins, but had three losses before then. I'm going with Machida to beat Belfort. Knock him out. Why not? Yeah, I think Machida still has... He still has that elusiveness about him. He's not as elusive as he was when he was light heavyweight champion, but I still think he's got more to give than Vitor. I mean, Vitor beat Nate Marquardt, so... Yeah, Vitor um, is half the man he used to be. Like, yeah, literally, physically, L- half yeah. the man. 
they are fighting in Brazil, but I don't know if that, that really changes much for Vitor. Because um, Vitor got murdered by Kelvin, Kelvin Gastelum in uh, Brazil. So I don't think it really matters. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm picking Machida. Um, then we have John Lineker versus Brian Keller. Uh, John Lineker, right? Like, he, he, he loses to really good guys. He still has strong hands. What's interesting is he's been getting a lot of decisions lately. Up in competition, less knockout power. That's something to keep yeah. an eye on. But I, I think he wins another decision. But it, it, it's weird that a guy who's known for having stone hands has just been a decision machine lately. Yeah, and Keller is a guy who, from my recollection, I don't think he's been knocked out. And he, he looked really good against Henan Burrell, but Henan Burrell is not even close to the man he once was. Um, I'm going to pick Lineker here, but it's not like – a super lock. I think Keller is like a sneaky good talent. Yeah, and, uh, Keller's lost four of his seven by submission, three decisions. Yeah, so it's like Lineker, he just hasn't flashed that power that he once had. Um, I think it'll be a good fight. I think Keller Keller will have his moments, but I think that Lineker may squeak away with the decision here. Yeah, I'm picking Lineker by decision too. Uh, the Coco main event, Mackenzie Dern, back in our home country. Accent right. full flux, needing a translator. Uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Amanda Cooper. Amanda Cooper's losses, we just touched on someone else's losses. Amanda Cooper's losses have all come by submission. Mm-hmm. So, she has six fights, three wins, and three losses by submission. I think they served her up the perfect person. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mackenzie Dern is going to use this. She doesn't have to worry about... Um, her ground game, her striking, eh, I mean, she beat Angela Magana, but who cares? Angela Magana's not good anyway. So, Mackenzie should go out here, roll her up, tuck her in, and put her to sleep. Quick and easy. Um, nope. Then we have co-main event, Jacare Sosa versus Kelvin Gastelum. Intriguing fight. Jacare is still ranked in the top three of the middleweight division. Um, damn near was one, what, one round away from a title shot? Yeah, he's been close. Like, several times he's been close. It's just, uh, it eludes him. But, and, you know, he came off a good head kick uh, win versus Derek Brunson. It looks like his stand-up is rounding out. Uh, he just lost to Whitaker and Romero lately. Like, that's n- no shame in that. You know, Rockhold loss, Whitaker, Romero, these are some of the best guys. These are champions. Um, so, can't be mad at that. But... I'm picking Gaslam to win because I'm just tired of picking him to lose. And this guy just proves me wrong every damn time. So I'm picking him yeah, to see, win. I, initially, I was like, you know what? This is going to be a really good fight for Gaslam. I mean, Jacare's 39. Uh, Gaslam's still young. I think he's 25 or 26. Um, and he watched Michael Bisping. But then I forgot. He got choked out by Chris Weidman. Um, so I'm a little concerned here because... Gaslam is still young, and like we have mentioned numerous times before, guys don't really peak until their 30s. Yeah. Like they're, they're, when they're 20, they, they're still here to lose. So I think Jacare is going to find a way to tie. If Wyman could choke him out, I think Jacare can find a way to submit him as well. Um, Jacare's stand up has been good. Uh, he went in there and just ransacked Derek Brunson. So stand-up it might is be getting the same better, here. which is odd. Yeah, I mean, he's old. He's got to learn. Like, just like yeah. Damian Maya, need to learn how to wrestle to, to really put his jiu-jitsu to work. You got to learn how to strike so you, people aren't expecting what's what's to come. So I think Jacare gets the win here, and I think he might get a submission as well. So I'm going to go with Jacare. See, I think Kel- Kelvin wins the decision. I think it only being three rounds, you could survive three rounds. 
three, it's tough, man. Jacare is really fight. good. No, Jacare is really good. That's going to be one hell of a fight. Um, and then we have Amanda Nunez versus Rocky Pennington. I, it's to me, it's two different two different levels of fighters. Rocky's had some good wins lately, but the the resume doesn't hold a candle to who Amanda just ran through. So I, I'm picking Amanda, and Rocky doesn't really get finished often. Um, I'm picking Amanda to finish her second round. So I have this thing about Amanda Nunez, and I think she's been built into this monster that she's really not. Yeah, and no, I think Cyborg runs through her, but that's neither well, here nor there. Not, but, well, not only that, I, I think that Amanda Nunez, like they've been calling her this dominant champion. Well, she beat up on her washed up Ronda Rousey. And she beat up on Amisha Tate, who I truly believe wasn't there when she walked in that octagon that night. Like Halfway I said it retire. before the fight. Yeah, like I, I felt like because when Rocky beat her, she sent her into retirement. But I felt like when she stepped in the ring with Amanda that to defend her title that night, she wasn't she wasn't there to fight. She looked like she was going to be out of there, and she lost. So Amanda Nunez beat Valentina Shevchenko twice by narrow decisions. Um, surprisingly, the last fight she she won by a decision, which I didn't necessarily see happening. I didn't think her guest tank would have it. But they but the narrative that going into this fight is they've constantly talked about she's the toughest woman in the, in all these things. I mean, obviously Cyborg's the best, but I don't think Amanda's that good. I think she's good. I think she's in the right place at the right time to get the title. I don't know if if she just all out beats Holly home if they were to fight. So Ooh, I'm not necessarily no, I, sure. Yeah, I think Holly might give her problems. Just technically. So 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 I was doing my betting stuff this week and I looked at the line and Amanda Nunez is it was as high as a minus one thousand favorite. Yeah. I minus caught it at eleven hundred the other day when I was doing my my article. <laughs> eleven hundred. That, that, that is flat out disrespectful to Pennington. Listen, I, I know like in in a perfect world, if everything was even, I'd pick Amanda Nunez. But with a line like that, I'd go with Rocky Pennington because what do I got to lose? My like she's what she was like a plus six fifty somewhere around there. Yeah, Amanda so by knockout like was like plus one fifty. That's like the best bet you can probably get. So the thing about Pennington is there's not too many women who have the tenacity that Rocky Pennington have. And you can't really gauge that by looking at her wins and losses, you have to watch her fight. Like, when she lost to Holly Holm, she barely lost to Holly Holm because she was a little bit too tentative. I think yeah. she was a little surprised at how tentative Holly Holm was. But then you look at her other fights, you know, she sent Jessica Andrade down a division after choking her out. Two divisions. Um, she sent Misha, yeah, she sent Misha Tate into retirement. Um, and Best Correa took a nice little break. And Elizabeth Phillips, whatever. But this fight, I think, is going to be a lot closer than people expect. Now, if Amanda was the washer... Then I think, you know, you can make the case Amanda's the best in the division. But I just don't think Amanda's like this great beast of a fighter. I think she's really good, but she's beatable. She lost to Kat Zingano. Like, I think she can lose this particular fight. I don't think she will. But I'm saying that if you've got money to spare, put it on a Raquel Pennington because Pennington is no slouch. And she's a different fighter than when she was on The Ultimate Fighter. Completely different fighter. Oh, definitely. She's, she's gotten better. And... She lost to Holly by split decision. Yeah, it was LA. I she remember that shit was close. Yeah, because everybody was so surprised at how well Rocky looked against Holly Holm. Because then people were like, well, did Holly Holm just look bad? And then you looked at the rest of Raquel Pennington's fights, and you were like, well, Rocky's actually pretty good. She's tough. Like, you remember she had her head split open in one of those fights, and she was bleeding everywhere. Oh, yeah. And she, and she, was, kept go- she just keeps going. Um, and I'd like to see, I mean, she hasn't been in a five round fight. That's the thing that has me a little bit nervous about picking Pennington. Cause I don't know if she can last 25 minutes. 
But a man is not really somebody who pushes the pace. A man is not somebody who's gonna gonna wear you down. She doesn't really use a jujitsu like I would expect her to. So she can win this fight if you put it all together. But I don't know, man. This, I think there's a case for Pennington here. I don't think Amanda struggles until Cyborg, and Cyborg really opens up the flaws in her game. Well, there's, that won't be struggling. I think she would get murdered. <laughs> that, that's the case for most people. Yeah, I, I think. But, dude, Amanda's, I, I, look, again, I like Amanda. I think she's really good. I just, I don't see what they're trying to sell me about Amanda doing this. I don't see it. Like, beating up on Ronda Rousey was like beating up a shell yeah. of a fight. So, it, it is what it is. Like, she should win. She should win. But um, I'm just not seeing this like, oh, she's going to destroy Penny. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Let's finish it up by talking about wrestling. Because, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to make you talk about it. Because we just went through and sat through Backlash last weekend. A card that had promise. A card that could have been good. A card outside of the Rollins-Miz fight that fell flat. What? Well, okay. What is the main problem for the WWE right now? You can only choose one. And I know you have like a million bouts around your head. What is there one problem that needs immediate fixing to to just help immediate put the band-aid over the brand? Um, if I had to pick one thing right at this very moment, it's their refusal to move Roman Reigns out of the spotlight. I think it's hampering everything on the raw brand. Um I mean, it's a terrible book. There's a number of things. You're right. The allocation of resources that like they, they've mismanaged their talent. But on Raw, which is their flagship show, their refusal to take Roman Reigns out of the spotlight is really hurting storytelling overall. Because you can like Seth Rollins is one of your biggest stars. and He's got the IC title, which is great, but he's not the focal point of your storytelling because you still find a way to still make Roman Reigns the focus. Samoa Joe losing to Roman Reigns shouldn't have happened. It doesn't help. Samoa Joe, it doesn't necessarily hurt him either, but it's just... It didn't help Roman Reigns, and that's the biggest problem. That's the problem. Nothing is helping Roman Reigns right now. This Jinder Mahal feud, is all it is doing is creating a diversion, just like last year when they reunited the Shield, for them to say, okay, let's find a way to get an opponent who has some heat and then get people to cheer for Roman Reigns, and then they're going to immediately throw his ass back in the title picture. We can see through that shit, guys. Cut it out. Tell some better stories. They're fucking up. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, so I agree. Backlash as a whole, we don't have to go through everything. Daniel Bryan match was okay. I thought Shinsuke versus AJ started off very well. I thought it was a decent, or, or a good match. I'll give it better than decent. It was a good match until the bullshit ending. They're just allergic to clean finishes at this point. Uh, man, look, I that's, I disagree with you. I, I just I didn't. That match was whack. Like. Styles Nakamura, like this is how you t- can tell that the WWE is fucking up. You took a match that was, in some people's minds, a five star match with no real build in New Japan. Yeah, I you bring it, was as good it at, as the main event that year at Wrestle Kingdom, and you bring it to the WWE and you give it a build from it's. We are now in May, which essentially says that you could have built this 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 feud from January to May, and you haven't given us a a an above average match yet yeah like nothing nothing close to right like you had wrestlemania you remember when 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 styles and nakamura first got signed the first thing we said was like man what if they wrestled in wrestlemania it'd be amazing and they did and it fucking sucked yeah and i'm not even it was gonna, the I'm beginning. Gonna... No, that shit did suck and they used it to start a feud 
and gave him a trash match. Like, so then you went to this no DQ match, and it was so cartoonish with the low blows that I, just, I couldn't take it seriously. It was a no DQ stipulation, and it didn't really come into effect until the chair shot that busted AJ's cheek wide open, and then the low blows. I'm like, you're making a mockery of a match that was so great in New Japan, and then you bring it here, and you have five months to build probably yeah. one of the greatest feuds on, in WWE recent memory, and you blow it. I mean, they've only um, used two and a half of those five months, to be fair, because they're about, also dumb in that reason. That's what I'm saying. Like, the moment that Nakamura won the Royal Rumble, you could have built toward this. But no, you had to have that dumbass pay-per-view in between. I forgot what it's called already. Yeah. Back, payback, speed bump, roadblock. What are the other fuck it's called? Yeah. <laughs> but you have that, and you had AJ in this dumb multi-man match that nobody thought he was going to lose. But in, in between all this, you could have been building towards this match. Like, the, the heat, it's, it's, Nakamura's been great as a heel. Like, his interviews are, are, are the fantastic. Build, listen, the build... Is better than the New Japan build. Because the New Japan yep. gave them no build. So the build has been fine. The matches have been shitty. So we are yeah. left feeling really robbed. Like, and it can't all be about the build. And I mean, dog, listen. We had WrestleMania, which was ended way too fast. It was only used as a, as a way to get us to this Nakamura heel turn. Then we had the stupid-ass... Uh, Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, where, where AJ that showed was, a little bit of a nasty streak, which was just a wash of a match. Yeah, which was dumb. And then you had Backlash, which was even dumber. It was, it was just a match where there was like, oh, who's going to kick who in the nuts first? Like, to have that, that finish the way that it was, it, man, it's terrible. Those those guys deserve better than that. I, I, and that's the thing I hate the, like, I hate the most, but if you want to fix anything, it's still Roman Reigns. But that's the thing, I, I just can't believe you fucked that up. Yeah. I can't believe it. Only thing you had to do was let it be the same exact blueprint of Styles versus Cena. You had a good feud, two of the best. Heel knock would have made it even better, but you had three, four clean finishes. Yeah. Three or four. Cena they lost, deserve. who cares? Or AJ lost like two in a row, then finally beat Cena. Cena came back, what, four months later. That shit still had heat on their feud. Cena yeah, takes the is, belt back. Like, those were good matches. This, I mean, between this botching and then having Carmella go over on Charlotte with like oh. the dumbest finish, like, oh, she did a moonsault, oh, she tweaks her knee. Carmella kicks her in the back. And then rolls her up. It's like she doesn't even take advantage of the injury. Like the injury just kind of happened. And then they were like, oh, it's like this is what Oscar lost for Charlotte to yep. lose to Carmella? She's gonna have she's going to have a run, and we're not gonna know what the hell her finisher is. Well, she has and, that, that and Oscar's that, gonna beat her for the belt sooner or later, by the way. Well, see, the head scissor thing is a finisher, but the problem is 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 the disjointed storytelling. It's like you had Oscar lose to Charlotte at WrestleMania. Now, could Charlotte lose to Carmella at, like, at SummerSlam? Sure. But to have her lose immediately after WrestleMania to Carmella, was, that makes the Asuka victory a joke. Yeah. It's it, bad storytelling, Bad timing, man. bad storytelling, um, bad production, bad booking. They need to fix that end of it. Because once again, I, I, I truly believe NXT gets it right. And they book shit right. Then. I like their feuds. Chapa Gargano, I love that shit. Yeah, they they've do had better. these same guys. They did fine building feuds. Rare, <laughs> rarely do one of their matches at a at a takeover end in shenanigans. Maybe I maybe there's two I can count, and not even then. They save that shit for after the bell. 
It's uh, it's bad. Like, it, yo, it's like WWE is a really stale product right now. Something it's so much so, in fact, that you have Braun Strowman, who is there's there's really no doubt about it. He's the biggest babyface you have. Like, I know Seth Rollins is super over, but Braun Strowman is is like incredibly over with the crowd. But he's they they put him in a position where it's like. Well, he wins tag team matches with children. He wins Royal Rumbles that don't matter. Like, how how long can you feasibly keep him out of the title picture before people go like, yo, what the fuck? Because like, Roman Reigns. Real? Roman Reigns is the roadblock. Exactly. That's what that pay-per-view is called. Roadblock. Thank you. Organically, Strowman has built his way to a point where he should have beat Brock Lesnar two months ago. But Roman Reigns is standing in the way. He lost to 1F5, dude. Braun Strowman got F5 once. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I can't call it, man. Um, let's talk about NXT before we get out of here. NXT, not going to talk about the booking and the week-by-week. Week. Keith Lee. This is not smart. Headed to NXT, and rumors are that Walter is going to be next. I know how you feel. You feel it's too much. When will it they stop? When, when is it okay to say, all right, it's enough, enough's enough? Because sooner or later, Matt Riddle is going to sign too, by the way. Enough is enough four months ago. Like, see, here's the, here's the crazy thing. We were just talking about this in the group chat. Raw ratings are down, and they've been trending downward for years. Now, obviously, there's factors such as streaming services, blah, blah, blah. But they have been spiking down. You've signed all this talent, internet darlings. And all this talent, mostly they go to NXT and they get called up to the main roster. And, but then you still have shitty storylines heading into your big pay-per-views. And you're still losing. In, like You're not losing because you have no competition. But you're still trending downward. Meanwhile, and I hate to say this. We'll talk about this in a second. New Japan is still thriving with the same talent. Rarely really adding anybody. But they just have great feuds and great matches. Because all people want there is wrestling. That's it. But that's, that's one thing we notice is what people want here is wrestling. And it's changing. Like, the, the, the world is shrinking. And we understand there's different things than WWE. And more and more people every year understand this. Hence, we see the Chris Jericho phenomenon. Yeah. And, and he's bringing more people. And, and just little by little, more people are realizing and realize, And they realize this is really good wrestling. Podcasts like our podcast and Rassle Rap and all of these outlets. And these guys are championing uh, New Japan and ROH at times and all these promotions progress in the uk you you learn about these things and you look into it and then you come back to wwe and be like why the hell am i wasting my time right so it's like you sign somebody like keith lee or and if this whole walter thing is true you bring somebody in like walter but where do they fit because you're not willing to move roman reigns out of the way on the main roster which is which kind of is stops everybody from moving from nxt yeah it stops so, everyone from there down the entire world. right so you, you bring these two guys on. You just signed a bunch of other talent. You just signed EC3. You just signed Ricochet. It wasn't too long ago you just brought Adam Cole in, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. I mean, the list goes on and on. War Machine. Where do these guys fit? Donovan Dijak, Leo Rush. Where do they fit? Shit, I forgot where about Dijak. And that, that's my point. You keep signing them, and it sounds good in theory, but they don't work well together. Because there's too many people and there's the, the, you don't have the right book. It's like mismanaging a superstar team. Like if you look at your Yankees this year and you added more talent and more starting pitching. I but then you 
Yeah. And then you, but then, but then, what happens is you get nine starting pitchers. Well, somebody's got to be in the bullpen. Yeah. So now you, 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 what do you do? You put Servino as a middle reliever. Like, it becomes too much, and and you don't have people playing there. You don't have role players. You need role players. You need guys to job. Keith Lee ain't gonna need, doesn't need to be brought in to do the job, but they keep bringing in talent, and it's not. It's not healthy, man. It's not healthy because egos are eventually going to come into play. Sooner or later, we're going to get a report about people being very unhappy with their position on the main roster on Raw because they think they should be somewhere else because they got signed for a reason. Like if Ricochet is getting sandbagged, he'll be pissed off. Or if Adam Cole loses that title, EC3, or look what happened to Austin Aries. Guys are going to start leaving if, they don't, if, the, if the smoke doesn't clear and they don't see their opportunity. They're not getting it. Too much talent, man. They got to chill out. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, we'll actually go into more New Japan, I guess, next time. Uh, we're about to get out of here for today. And if you guys listening, we want to know what you think is the main reason, one reason why WWE is struggling right now and why they can't get it right. If there's one thing you can change, let us know what it is. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to uh, agree with Andreas and say that Roman Reigns it starts at the top and he is the guy. But, I, you know, I personally think it's the Brock Lesnar, the belt's not on TV thing. Um, but we'll, we'll see what you guys think, and we'll talk about it more on the next show. Make sure you follow us on social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me, at Kel Dansby. Him, on Andreas Hale. Until next week, we're out. Peace.